My name is King T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka. I am the sovereign ruler of the nation of Wakanda. And for the first time in our history, we will be sharing our knowledge and resources with the outside world. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. This episode is respectfully dedicated to Jacob Blake, Anthony Huber, and Chadwick Bozeman. Down here at Red's Java House in San Francisco, I'm Schmitty, and this is Talking Schmidt. Today on the show, Frankie Hill. Frankie really needs no introduction. What he did in his early video parts for PAL inspired us and opened our eyes to do things we didn't know were possible. His personality on and off the board is magnetic. His past accomplishments are all time. And his philosophy on staying loyal is nothing less than admirable. I've always been the kind of guy that, you know, you dance with the person that brought you. That's just the way it was for me. I never really looked at it as like, you know, something different really than that, you know. So I'm not going to lie, the last week of August is not that fun being reminded that two of my best buddies, Phil Shaw and P-Stone, are gone. But what did I do? I dug down deep and landed one of the all-time greats for an interview. I'm really excited for you all to hear this one. Frankie has such an important place in skateboarding, and I felt honored to get to run through his memory banks for over two and a half hours. So without any more distractions, well, maybe just one. Bring it, Pails. Oh, Oh, fuck. Frankie Hill, and I like to throw down the big, fat, ollie one foot. A little blonde, little brown, little other, little roundabout way for me to be on talking Schmidt. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old cars turn. Our big dog's in. Schmitty. 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. That's called going to the hospital, bitch. I just shit in my pants. Man. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. It's right. about the one. The one. The one. Who is this guy? thinks he's tough shit. What's up? We're tastemakers. Come on, Schmitty. What the fuck? I'm here for Greg Swift. Yeah! 
All right, you guys, I'm a little nervous. I'm going to be honest. Uh, been up since 5.30 this morning watching old pal videos, doing some research. He really doesn't need any introduction to the skateboard world. But in case you're new to this or just listening to my pod from another galaxy or some shit, this is one of the innovators. It's a true street pioneer. Maniac on four wheels? Yes. Huge inspiration? Absolutely. You like going big? Then you absolutely have to tip your hat to this legend. Listen fucking up, kids, because this is Frankie Hill. How's it going, Frank? Appreciate it. That's one hell of an intro, dude. Thank you. Yeah. I always guess where my guest was born, and I'm going to say Santa Barbara. Really close. I was uh, born in Santa Paula and moved to Santa Barbara when I was about six or seven years old. What drew you to skateboarding? How did you decide to get into skateboarding? Well, I was riding my bicycle down the street, and I saw this guy doing ollie off a curb cut in a driveway, and he got more air on his skateboard than I could on my bike. And I was like, you know what? I think maybe skateboarding is maybe where I need to go. I wasn't super good on bikes either. so. And did you later find out who that guy was? Yep. That was uh, Kent Nepper. He was a local skater and um, super talented guy. And he basically introduced me to street skating. And um, we used to actually get our clothing out of the free box. It was just like this little box, you know, that, you know, people would put clothes in for the homeless. And we would go in there and just dig through and get free clothes because when you're skating, you know, your clothes get messed up so fast. And I was going to hear about it from my mom. So it was nice to be able to get in there and, uh, and get some new wardrobe going. And it was always definitely a, an original look that you ended up with after you got out of there. How cool. What year was that? I believe grade school, I wasn't really skating in. Seventh grade... I was starting to skateboard a little bit more in, so maybe I was like 14 and a half, 15 years old when I started. And it might have been my freshman year of uh, junior high, seventh grade, I believe. Somewhere right around there is when, when I started. Wow. How and cool. that's when I saw the guy Ollie off the street curb, and then I thought, okay, you know, how am I going to, you know, reel this guy in? I mean, the guy obviously, you know, didn't care about what I was doing. So I ended up uh, building a mini ramp in my backyard and I talked him into like going over there. I'm like, dude, I got a mini ramp, let's skate it. So I got him over there and he started skating my mini ramp. He's all, man, this thing's pretty cool. And it it was real funky, dude. It had a rolling on each side, two different levels. And then one little four foot section in the middle is about four feet tall. And the other side had like like an eight foot wall. And I painted this big Sims Kamikaze mural at the top and uh he skated it for a little bit and then he's like and then he like ran over and he did like one of these crazy mark gonzalez straight leg bonelesses off like this fountain in my backyard and i'm like oh man what is going on here and he's like this is street skating let's go and i'm like shoot on board so then we left my backyard and that's that's really where it all started how cool how did you know the guy's name um, I figured out the guy's name around school. He was, uh, he was pretty known for, you know, just being an original guy. 
and uh, doing his own thing. Um, I was drawn to him a little bit more, I think, because there was jocks that kind of skateboarded too a little bit. They had ramps in their backyards and stuff. They skated a little bit, but mm-hmm. they didn't really take it seriously. They played it kind of like it was a like a BS game kind of thing. Like they're just kind of throwing in and out, but they were really focused on their main thing was something else. And this guy was all in on skating. That was all he was. So when I saw him, I'm like, okay, you know, this this guy seems like, you know, somebody that I want to want to deal with. Plus the fact the jocks weren't very friendly, so right. <laughs> it wasn't going to work. Did he end up being sponsored at all, or was he? Um, no, I don't believe so. He was really into vision skateboards, and he should have been sponsored as far as I was concerned. But he never really got sponsored. He was really into Mark Gonzalez, the Mark Gonzalez flavor back then. Mm. Real fluid guy. And I mean, skating was, he was just like flows like a river, like a little bit, like really pretty amazing. And of course, I was his little strange sidekick that was completely the opposite, like just like a little hacker. You know what I mean? I would just like hack away on tricks and I tried to be stylish as I could. You know, I probably was a little more stylish back then than it <laughs> kind of ended up being because I, you know, kind of went into like just straight tricks. You know what I'm saying? Just just get yeah. tricks out. So okay. So I did. That was a little stylish back then, probably. Do you remember seeing like your first magazine, your skate first skateboard magazine or video or something that like drew you into like the industry and what like you know the big guys were doing? Got it. Um, well, Kent Nepper showed me my first magazine, and um, he was totally into Mark Gonzalez, and he's all, this, this is the guy right here. And he showed me Mark Gonzalez, and he was already doing, like, there's a there's a sequence of him alling like a small gap from right to left, front side ollie. I think it was even black and white at that point in Thrasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty famous. And I saw that. And, you know, of course he was doing his straight legged bonelesses and he had that beautiful graphic, you know, the strange looking punk rocker head with the dots and all the fancy stuff on it. It was a little bit of a vision streetwear era, you know, which I was like, oh, that seems a little jockish. You know, (laughs) even back then I was like, oh, that's a little scary. I'm not sure I'm all in on that trick, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I got really reeled in at. Okay. And then uh, who were like uh, some of those guys that you would pull out of the mag or just like besides Mark, obviously, who were some of the other guys that like got you hyped when you were thumbing through a mag or or you wanted to see their video part more than once or something, you know, when you were younger? Well, it was a little bit interesting Um, early on. You know, right after I got my first or second skateboard, I started entering some contests and looking around. And I think, not to get too far in the weeds here, but early on, it was less street, but in the magazines. But I was really kind of in shock with like the Hawk, Cab, McGill, um, Steve Stadham. Yeah, dude hitting those crazy bowls yeah and i was like they were in those massive contests and the screaming crowds and i mean to me at that moment i'm like okay i love skating but that 
is probably not going to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just didn't see myself being able to, I mean, I mean, falling out of something like that, it just seems like, you know, it just isn't going to happen. Your body's just going to break into a million pieces. And yeah. so I was in shock with those guys and they really kind of, kind of just made me say, wow, you know, I just, skating is just absolutely amazing. You know what I mean? That was, that was kind of what really like, really kind of drew me in, you know, it was like the heroes. Okay. And then uh, a little bit of Tommy Guerrero, he was doing some street, you know, T Tommy and Jim Thibault back then, you know, we refer to them as uh, rock stars. They were. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, I got stories, but man, it was it, just being around those guys, standing next to them for a little bit. Uh -huh. It was like, I felt like I was a better guy, you know what I mean? Just by being next to them, you know? Right. Tommy forever for me, like, I say it every week, probably T Tommy fucking Guerrero. That's he, San Francisco Thrasher. He he was one of the early street guys. Yeah. And you meet this guy and you talk to him and he's just a regular dude and he's so humble and like. But I'm wondering, as a young kid, did he have? I'm I'm guessing he had a little like I'm the shit more than so than now, yeah or. Um, I don't really talk to those guys now too much, but I know that the chance that I really had to hang out with those guys when I was younger is, uh, you know, I, we're jumping around a little bit, but I, I did eventually meet up with a guy named Brandon Chapman, right. who was just so good. We used to say that he could ollie the moon. He probably could back then. Huh. Probably still can today. I mean, the guy is just one of those like Michael Jordan type guys. Right. But, um, he he was going up to San Francisco to stay with um, Jim Thebo and Tommy Guerrero, and he's like, "Frankie, man, do you want to go up there and stay for a few days?" And I'm like, "You don't gotta even ask me twice. I don't even remember how old I was. I'm not even sure I asked my mom. I was just like, I just vanished. Oh, so wow. I went up there and I stayed with those guys for a few days, and they were both really humble and really nice, and." You know, they weren't cocky at all. I mean, for how big they were, I right. mean, you would think, you would think a little bit. Yeah, I'm not they, trying to talk shit. I'm just oh, thinking no, totally like, dude, these guys were kind of rock stars at that time. Massive, massive <laughs> rock stars. Yeah. And then I had no feeling at all that they didn't want me around or if I was the little guy or, or whatever the case is. Um, but, um... Yeah, they were totally just really cool, really, really nice guys. And as far as, you know, responding to the Jim Thebo question in particular, I'm not, I think he was on PAL when I, I met him even before that. I didn't meet him, but I saw him skate before, before that. Uh -huh. And we were skating at a castle contest and he was doing inverts in a circle on the flat ground. Right. And he was totally cool and the skill level of Jim at that time was he was just killing people at that at that time. Okay. And yeah, dude. So he okay. was totally humble, totally cool, and the skill level was through the roof. Rad. It's good to hear because those are my dudes. So like, you know, I just I can't say enough about Tommy and Jim. Um so yeah, big ups to them. Um going back though, what was one of the first 
things that you did on a skateboard where you kind of felt like, oh, I might be good at this. And it gave you confidence to skate with higher level people and progress and all this. Let's see. Well, it was really a really gradual process, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I remember a lot of times where I would go out and skate with Brandon, um, you know, of course, Brandon Chapman, Jake Bradley, Kit Erickson, and then a couple other local guys, Seth Nappel and Jonathan Nappel, his brother. And we would, you know, Mike Dominguez was Jake Bradley's brother. So we'd all go skateboard from time to time. And... um, you know, I'd be trying tricks that I shouldn't have been trying, trying to board slide some rails and stuff, and I would just jump onto my sack act a bunch of times in a row. And then Brandon Chapman would eventually look at me and be like, dude, just just stop. You know what I mean? You're way out of your league. So it was an extremely gradual process. I think if I had to pinpoint it, I would say maybe public domain, to be honest. It actually took that long. Like, even going into public domain, it seemed like we had to fight our way into that video. Okay. Even after I got on PAL, I, like, begged my way on. Hmm. But we were filming, and we went to this, like, an 11-stair ollie in public domain. And, of course, I never tried anything even remotely close to that big. Not even remotely. I wasn't like, oh, boy, let's hit that. But we skateboarded by it because Brown Chapman had just ollie board slid music hall. And that was ridiculous. Oh, shit. And he was in his own league right there. I mean, I don't remember anybody doing that at that time, a flat, that high bar. Right. So so then we went by that 11 stair, and we were just skating by it. And I'm all, hey, Brandon, man, wouldn't this be amazing for the video if I could, you know, air down this thing? You know, I wasn't thinking about it for myself. I was just thinking, man, well, you know, the video part, man, this, this would be great in the video because yeah. I'm part of that group. And... Um, you know, I don't think he said anything. I think it was kind of one of those looks that they gave me like, fucking, you know, I don't know why you're going to do that. You know, you're just going <laughs> to hurt yourself. So anyway, I tried to ollie down it and I, I got almost all the way to the bottom, you know, with a, I think it was a Tommy G Iron Gate deck or even before that, I think whatever it was, it had no notes. Oh, yeah. And I, I ollie down this thing and both feet just came off the board before I landed it and the, and the board hit hit the ground i like pushed the board into the ground and came down and land landed on the board and whoo fell off you know and then i figured out to suck up my feet a little bit more you know at the end and try to hold that sucker and then push it down at the very end because i knew the board was going to come off my feet eventually and i got it got it in the video and i think after i made that and it sunk in for a few months after the video came out on and retrospect after seeing everybody else's parts in the video sure um, and then kick flipping the roof to roof in that video. I think right. those and a few months after it's sinking in, I started thinking, hmm, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I have a, maybe I have a shot. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you're already on pal. I mean, you're, you got sponsored before that first sponsor was Dogtown or was there even one before that? No, I had a couple of shop sponsors, um, skating for beach shop in Isla Vista and um, Wild Skateboard Shop in Galita, and they would start to give me decks and product and stuff to keep me rolling. And then I entered a couple of castle contests, and Jesse Martinez was judging, and um, I got lucky and placed pretty good in that contest, and then after that, he basically got me on Dogtown. Oh, okay. 
So that was what era was that? Like who who was on was Dressin and Murray and those guys on there at that time? Absolutely, Dressin, okay. Murray, Scott Oster, Tim Jackson. So it was like the epic Dogtown era before, yeah, like the, it later. I believe, I believe Julian Stranger was on. I'm not sure, but I do remember those Dogtown guys. Um, just that was like the first real glimpse that I had, like in real life, of a team skating together absolutely amazing they'd go off jump ramps and do methods and clink their trucks and stuff i was like dude this is next level (laughs) this is something that's this is pretty gnarly the venice shit was insane so gnarly yeah um were you kind of a hyper kid like did you drink a lot of caffeine or sugar and stuff like were you or were you naturally fired up like how do you have that go for it mentality? Like when you see the 11 and you're like, I got to try it, even though your skill set maybe is not ready for it, but your, your mental state is, what do you think? Where do you think that came from? Well, interestingly enough, you ask when I was really young, I'd go visit my dad back in Ventura and he used to play many games with me. And one of them was we'd go out camping, he'd bring his buddy, and there was two bathrooms with some dirt in the middle. And he'd say, okay, where's the game? You could only be at one or the other, and there's two little stalls. And they'd all have these water balloons. And I could only be at one location or the other. So I'd run back and forth from these locations, and they'd try to throw water balloons at me. And then there was many of these little tricks, they, many games they played with me. And then there was another one where I would run back and forth in his backyard and he'd throw pillows at my feet and try to knock me down. And the goal was just to get from point A to point B. It didn't matter if you get knocked down or not. Who cares? Just, just give it everything you got. And there was a lot of these little games. And I remember once stopping and asking, like, Dad, I mean, this is pretty brutal. What am I doing here? I mean, I'm only I'm only going from here to here and there's really nothing at the other side for me. And most of the time I'm falling along the way. And he's all it doesn't matter how many times you fall. He said, give it everything you got. Mm -hmm. So I think that's so that was uh, a big inspiration. It was It, it, it meant, you know, just give it everything you have. Falling is not the worst part of it failing is right so it it definitely helped me drive okay sick was your dad like was he an active person was he into sports when he was younger and stuff like yeah he was into sports and stuff but i i think it really originated from my grandpa hill he was really into sports and uh, he'd always have sports on tv and um you know, he was a pretty hard cookie, and you always wanted to try to make him proud, if, if at all possible. Okay. And um, I think that's where it really kind of originated. Everybody everybody in the family busted their butt, but, you know what I mean? I think it kind of originated from, from him mainly. Okay. So you being born in Santa Paula, moving to Goleta, you're from the Santa, uh, Santa Barbara area. Correct. It's only, is it just kind of meant to be that you end up riding for Pal? Like, 
how did the process go from you going from Dogtown to Powell? Was it like these are this is where I always wanted to be? This is my kind of home area. The, or well, I was skating for Dogtown, and um, there was a contest in Las Vegas, and I really wanted to go, and I didn't have a ride, I didn't have any money, and I had no way to get there. And um, Brandon Chapman was already on Powell, and I'm like, Brandon, please, dude, get me in that Powell van, get me up there. And um, I'm, yeah, I don't even think he responded to me, to be perfectly honest. But he, he did come to me after that and say, okay, you know, I got you a spot to, to get you up there. I'm like, okay, thank you. So I showed up to the van and the team manager, Todd Hastings, is like, okay, you know, everybody's jumping in the van. They all have these like Quicksilver bags and they're all ready to go. And, um, you know, the whole team and everything. And I walk up and I have my board in my hand. And um, the team manager's like, well, where's your gear, you know? And I'm like, well, this is it. Oh, no, no. I said, well, I, I pulled out a $5 bill out of my pocket. And he's like, oh, man, for the weekend? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm going to survive this. So we got up there, and um, that was basically it. I ended up getting, like, seventh in the contest. And, um, yeah, I mean, I came back. And when I came back, I just didn't really go back home. Oh. I just followed the PAL guys into the warehouse and then they were skating, you know, the obstacles. And I only had like one trick off jump ramp. It was like my best trick. And I only made it one out of 20 or 30 tries. It was kickflip indie grab. So I just kept going and doing it over and over and over, hacking away on it. And um, I started asking all the PAL riders to go up to the team manager, Hastings, and ask to get me on the team. You know what I mean? It was a local company, the biggest company on the planet. Right. And of course, they had those those end guys of the Hawk and Cab and McGill and Tommy and, you know, Stedham and all those guys. So, um, you know, eventually the team manager just walked up to me and he's just, oh man, why didn't you just ask me yourself? And I was scared. I told him like, man, because I don't want to blow it, dude. Huh. And he's like, well, look, dude, you know, we don't, we don't have any room on the team right now. That was basically it. He just shut me down. So after that, a couple of months later, I ended up, uh, you know, quitting Dogtown and then just basically just riding around for six months, hoping to get picked up. And eventually they started throwing me aboard here and there. Okay. And uh, that's kind of how it evolved. And so this is a huge, this is a huge step in the ladder of your life where now you are on the same team as your peers. You're looking over and there's Steve Caballero as a teammate. Tony Hawk, Lance Mountain, Tommy Guerrero. These are the legends of skateboarding. Like most contests, the top three was three of those dudes. Um, for right. sure in Vert. And then Tommy was probably top three in most street contests, right? So these are like the guys animal chin there's insane stacy peralta high production uh videos that have come out like just making the it was basically pal or santa cruz were the two main companies back then that had these Correct. kind of epic videos right mm -hmm. so describe that like are you like talk about butterflies do you have them or are you confident enough that like this is where I belong. Like, was there an acclimation period? Well, now that I'm on PAL, 
Uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking at all these guys and they're all talented in their own ways. And these are m- m- mainly the, the not the Tommies. And <laughs> these are the other guys. These are the guys I'm actually kind of like, kind of looking at, right. You know, the Sias, the Chet Thomas, the Ray Barbie, the Eric Sanderson's. Right. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Mark Sato, even though, I mean, I didn't really kind of look at him, you know, gearing up for that guy because he really flowed so beautifully. I knew I'd never be able to do that. I mean, some of these guys and, and Ray Barbie, too. Sure. You know, a lot a lot of the guys there, they had stuff that you looked at and you're like, wow. I mean, Ray Barbie was beating me up in contests for years. So I was well versed in that. <laughs> so, you know, and there's guys that you just knew you were never going to be able to. To, to get to kind of thing, you know, because my competitive spirit is just on fire right now. And now that I'm on the team, you know what I mean? I'm right. looking around. But I wasn't really looking at the, uh, the legend, so to speak, because I never thought that I would ever be able to compete with those guys. I was mainly just trying to compete with the, the, other, the, the other guys. Okay. So, yeah, there was a definitely an acclimation period, definitely – it took a really long time. I think I started to gain even more confidence when Pal moved from the Santa Barbara warehouse to the Galita warehouse. And they had like a big party at night. And I had a picture of kick flipping this gap on the floor, on the ground and Grant Britton shot it. Mm. And Nottis Kapos was there. He frontside 180'd it. Mark Gonzalez was there. I think he frontside 180'd it, and he did some other stuff, I believe. And I was able to get a kickflip over it. And, you know, it was a, it was a really slow process. You know what I'm okay. saying? I mean, because these guys were so ridiculously good. I mean, it, there was never a moment that I was just like, oh, man, I got these guys. Or, you know what right. I mean? I just never really, not even today, I look at them still, and I'm like, you know, I feel, I still feel like I'm on that lower level. I mean, that's that's where I'm. I put myself kind of so. Oh. Was which one had the Taj Mahal? Was it the first one or the second one? The Taj Mahal, I believe. Well, they had a few. Eric Sanderson like, did a super high, crazy frontside wall ride. I believe that was the second one. They had a team get together. Was that Galita yeah. or Santa Bar? Or that was in Galita. Okay, that's the one I went to. Yeah. And With the spine ramp that had like a bowl. It was almost, I think it was, was a double that spine. That was way after. Okay. That was years after. That was the, the one final. one I was talking about is right when they first bought the building and they okay. had like a night session. With right. all Krishna Soy was there. Yeah. I mean, dressing. Sick. I mean, the hammers that were thrown that night just didn't, didn't seem to end. Right. That's when it really started to be like, I never really thought I was on their level, but at least I felt like I was invited to the party. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that's the <laughs> night that I was like, "Wow, I got a, I got the golden ticket. I'm in the door." You know what I mean? Like this was it. Okay. Um, was there any fan out moments where there was people that you were meeting for the first time that you're just like, "Ugh." There should have been and could have been that <laughs> night, but I, I didn't even get a shot at it because <laughs> these guys were they're they're competitive as anybody you know what i mean they're out there throwing their hammers so you didn't i mean i could have chased down Nottis all night long and never caught him you know what i mean (laughs) but um i mean yeah that night no no i didn't really meet anybody that night 
to be honest with you, because everybody was doing their own thing. Everybody was amazing that night. You know, Eric Dressen and, and Soy's frontside wall rides off those jump ramps on the wall. Yeah. Any one of them. I mean, it's so classic. It's just too good. And then video cameras, were there, did you have access to filming and stuff before you got sponsored or was this new once you got on a team like making videos and stuff? Like, had you made a sponsor me tape or any of that kind of thing? No, no, didn't get a sponsor me tape. Um, Public domain days is when things started to roll a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that was Stacey Peralta literally shooting film. Right. Um, it didn't even occur to me back then because I'm like, wow, okay, first Stacy Peralta and he's shooting film and we got, you know, a day or two to shoot the entire, you know, video part. So these were big, big hurdles for me. It didn't happen until I think band this days or somewhere around that zone, like video eight, I think was after band this, I believe. But a lot of that was filmed by me and my oh, friends. So okay. it was around the band this and a little bit after is the time that the, the video cameras really started to pop up into people's hands. And, you know, I would shoot a lot of I would try to keep the video rolling at all times. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, public domain. That was pretty much your first video part. Yes, my, definitely my first video part. Okay. Um, what were your thoughts early on? Like, was it uh, stressful filming with Stacy with a film camera? Like, was how many attempts did he give you? Like, how much pressure was going out? Or was it more like a day in the life? Let's just go film you skating. Um, how was the vibe? It was a little bit of a day in the life trick. That the pressure was kind of off because I was with Jake Bradley Mm -hmm. who could ollie super high. I mean, the guy would ollie over stuff and you wouldn't even hear his tail, tail hit the ground. I mean, it was that amazing. Uh -huh. And then Brandon Chapman, of course, you, that's, that's all you would hear. Right. You know what I mean? The guy was just an animal. But uh, And you, you were know, so in I your knew, comfort zone because these were yeah, your friends already. Absolutely. And right. I'm the little guy. So okay. I was totally in the zone, my little comfort zone. I wasn't worrying about anything. I knew that if I sucked it up or whatever that they would fill it in you know so i was i was feeling real real secure and really good at that at that time did you have a comprehension of what pal magic was not really like the editing process you know what pal magic is yeah or no um no like, but i have a pretty good idea yeah like the cuts in the middle of the trick basically yeah you know, Absolutely. which Correct. a lot of us thought were bales because it was yes. like a different landing than the takeoff. And but he made it look like. And uh, so sometimes it was like, oh, pal magic, you know, on these yes. cuts. Absolutely. There was some pal magic in there. Uh -huh. And um, at the time, like I say, I, I felt like I was so far down the depth chart that whether they were cutting it like that or whatever the case was, you know, I just felt that I was a cog in the wheel and it was just the way it was done. You know what I mean? I didn't really feel like I had an opinion on the deal. And um, so that's, that's kind of the way I was looking at it at that time. Okay. Is, is there a premiere or anything? Like, do you remember seeing the finished product for the first time? 
Um, no, I don't believe I got a shot at that one. But I remember going to the Arlington Theater when they premiered it. There was a premiere, Arlington Theater. Yeah. Is that, where's that, Santa Barbara? Yes. Okay. And I remember all the PAL guys showed up to Santa Barbara and me, Jake, and Brandon went in there and there was actually an ad with, you know, everybody on the back cover of Trans World there. And I'm there with Brandon and Jake and everybody. And that's a little bit of the clue that I started to get like, ooh, I'm kind of in the mix. You know what I mean? I'm like, it was real gradual, but it, it started to roll a little bit. You know what I mean? When you continue to be yeah in there yeah yeah i mean that's uh i think that was 1988 i'm pretty sure like when that came out after that is ban this correct and that's the one uh one of them or maybe all of them i don't know it seemed like they had you wearing the same outfit so it looked like it was the same day all the footage correct was that a theme through all of them or was that just in one i can't remember well public domain I think it was filmed in like one day. Oh, it was maybe, maybe a day and a half. Okay. Like does I can't remember exactly, but I'm uh-huh. pretty sure it was filmed all in one afternoon. Right. Oh, okay. They'd only give you five shots at something. If you don't get it, too bad for you. You know what I mean? Fuck. The eleven the eleven I did it like three shots. You know what I mean? So you didn't get much. Ban this, I believe I, I did that in I think two days. And I wore the same stuff, I believe. It was two days. Mm-hmm. It could have been two and a half days. Because okay. it was, I believe, two days for the filming and then a half day to go down to the 35-stair rail and kill myself. So, Yeah, that's the one with the jump ramp at the end. Um, yeah, where's that, that Long Beach? A, that was a tricky situation, dude. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. This is interesting. Okay. Because I had gone down to the trade show a few months earlier and I was in the trade show and I said, man, I need a video camera. I'm going to go up to the 30. And they were like, Oh, we're filming the trade show. We got this whole thing going. We don't have a camera for you. So Todd Hastings, the team manager said, well, I'm just going to walk up there with him to make sure he doesn't kill himself. So as I'm walking up, I hear somebody in the background outside. I'm nowhere near the thing, by the way. I'm just walking out the door. Uh huh. And I hear somebody saying, Mark already did it. <laughs> okay. And I looked over my shoulder and it was not us. Oh, shit. And so I, walk, I walked up there and I bone listed this thing about three or four times, the 30. And for some reason, on one of the shots of this thing, I board slid perfectly down to the bottom. I wasn't sliding fast. I wasn't wobbly, nothing, and I had it. And I, I, I don't remember if I glanced over at Hastings because he was standing on the stairs or if I just said it, but I do remember saying it to him, which he's going to confirm someday in some interview, uh-huh. that I said, where's the video camera at now? And I slid right off the bottom, and I had a sprained ankle at the time. So I just jumped off the bottom and kind of walked out at the bottom, and I had it by a mile. And then we had to go back to get it on video. And when I went back, they had the 30 taped off. And they were like some, some gardener was down there cutting grass or something. I don't know what was going on. He wasn't doing anything. There was nothing there. But 
we was forced to go over to the 35. Uh. And I thought people would say, oh, we boneless do it, who cares? So that's why I brought the jump ramp. And I thought, okay, at least I'm alling to it. And I could also ollie to it and get on going really slow because I didn't want to go fast, you know what I mean? Just in case I was going to speed up or whatever, I could get on going nice and slow, kind of like a boneless. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately for me, the 35 was a little steeper and I tried it about 20 something times, which I'm hoping pal releases the footage someday. Wow. But I got pretty close to the bottom at least once or twice. But I, that was hectic day, dude. At the end of that day, whatever I was wearing wasn't going to be filmed with again. <laughs> I was, the clothes were literally ripped off. Wow. I mean, it, it, was, it was intense, dude, on the way back. No one really talked very much on the way back. Was there brutal slams or was it mostly the just runouts? Slams. I was going oh. about 35 or 40 miles an hour going down this thing. Jesus. And I was just packing into the stairs. I wasn't even hitting the flat ground, like really never. You know, and it was just, I was going so fast that I was just bailing off my board because I'm like, there's just no way I'm going to be able to get to the bottom going faster than I'm going now. So it would make me bail. Right. It was steeper. So you never even did the 30 with a video camera? Never got up there on the 30 with the video camera, dude. Mm. Interesting. And so that one shot, I think it stops halfway through, right? Yeah. And so they have all the foot. Yeah, that people would be love. People want to see that. Let's go. Come on. People would like to see those bales. I'm sure. Let's insert it right here. (laughs) (laughs) And that was interesting too. That was the video part that you were pretty much dressed the same throughout. Because I remember, I think Stacy made that click of the board like, kind of on beat. You know, like landing click tail click i think there was audio insert like to make it extra crispy yeah i believe there was yeah yeah i I mean some of that stuff was a huge influence like obviously i've filmed and edited a bunch of stuff throughout my life and uh those were early things that like instead of just pointing the camera and putting it out raw which is your instinct at first you see these other people and their creative outlets and Obviously, Stacy's a huge inspiration with all that stuff. Um, and he, it's crazy just to look back at like 1989, whatever it is, and you're like, Stacy was already doing a lot of the shit that like people think they're introducing to filmmaking today, you know? Yes, I, I totally agree, dude. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think from my point of view, he was able to develop skills in the video editing that made it amazing and some people may say oh the magic and whatever but i look at it as also an evolution of in his own mind maybe of creating something special Mm. and that's how i saw it and not only did he do that he also was able to do the amazing flow and capture the ray barbie and the music and the way it was filmed, and me with the big jumps, and the impact, and the music, and the editing. Yeah. I mean, he really was able to capture each person and put them in a certain, you know, he maximized their gifts. So, I, I mean, I, I can't talk a good enough stuff about Stacy. 
Yeah, he was he was an original at like innovative filmmaker. Like he was a guy yeah. that like a Ternansky and some of these guys that later came along were directly from Stacy. His his power to say, Hey, you're gonna step it up a step and you're gonna make this epic thing and you wanting to do it for him, that yeah. was that was huge. Um was that also kind of when you first met like Guy Mariano and Gabriel and them? Was uh, the band this uh, era? Um, yes, a little before band this, they got on the team. And um, now you got to know, dude, I've always been super competitive. But now these guys join the team. Okay. Paulo, Guy, Rudy, Gabriel. Gabriel's skill level at that point was kind of (laughs) nuts. So it was like a four-headed dragon. You know, they're coming in. And I mean, yeah, dude. Yeah, I I met those guys. All really great guys. Super cool. Love those guys. Man, but I mean, my competitive side, I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're definitely not at the finish line yet, my friend. Right. Did you go on tour with them? Yeah. I went on tour around California with those guys. And um, it was a great tour. I had a great time. Once again, when I was on tour, I was really anxietist going to like the first demo because I was kind of like, oh my God, these guys are going to smoke me. You know right. what I mean? I was pretty scared actually. Um, but as we kind of developed from going from spot to spot, I got a little more used to being around them and I felt a little bit more like we were a team skating together and, you know, and, and then tore the fans, of course. So, you know, I, I felt pretty comfortable with those guys after about the first demo, you know, after, after I got to skate with them for the first time at the first demo. But I remember my thought on the way there to the first demo, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get broken off, dude. These guys are, they were really, really good. Right. And they're like the new young bucks. They're, they're a little bit younger than you. Yeah. A little bit younger, super talented. Yeah. Lots of tricks. But do you kind of, is, does the competitive nature fuck with a relationship or do you guys just, are you guys having a great time or is there a little animosity? Um, like in the van, are you fucking with each other or are you guys just raging or like what, what's the vibes there? Well, for me, I was just a little bit quiet. Okay. Because I'm thinking to myself, you know, how am I going to game plan against the four headed dragon? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be impossible. You know what I mean? That was basically it. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't anything besides that. And uh, after we started skating together, you know, they had all of their own original tricks. All of them had their own original tricks. You know what I mean? They all didn't have the exact tricks that they all were doing together. They all Mm. were original. And I kind of had my little original flavor I was doing at the time. So it, it, we, we became fast friends. Rad. And had you met many photographers by then? Like, had you been shooting photos for the mag? You, you, what was your first, do you remember your first photo published? Um, let's see. It might've been Jim Knight. And I think it was, they used like this big old vert board and they just snapped it in half. And they said, uh, you know, uh, 
totally 100% nuts. <laughs> it said 100% across the top. And then there was just like a bag of peanuts. And uh, they just had a picture of me holding my board behind my head. Or it was a Tommy board or whatever board I was riding at the time. Yeah. And then a broken board. And I'm like, man, these guys are think I am really nuts for breaking this, you know, surfboard over here. I, I haven't broken a board yet. But I think that was my first out. Okay. And then in 1990, you graced the cover of Thrasher magazine. Uh, Mofo shot the photo. Um, it's a for us. It's an iconic image where it's really zoomed in. It's not your traditional like overview shot. It's the intensity that you have on the board, much like a John Cardiel. Just eyes. It's in the eyes. You see that this is fucking gnarly and really cool photo. Um, could you? talk about that day and and what kind of dude mofo was and the whole experience okay so we showed up uh well i i i talked to todd hastings team manager and he said oh man mofo's coming to town you're gonna have a shot at a uh, uh thrasher cover and i was like oh oh mama so <laughs> and i had met mofo before uh i can't remember exactly where but i met him a few times super cool guy super cool um really just flowed really nicely with me and Hastings and, you know, just, just really just seamless. And so I knew it was going to be a good shoot and he showed up and, uh, he took some pictures of me board sliding the rail. I initially tried to board slide it and I was going to try to grab mute and kind of come off early because I was like, okay, now, you know, committing to this board slide all the way to the bottom. I knew I wasn't going to, you know, it didn't matter if I was going to make it or not. Right. Because it's just, I was going to get a board slide. They're going to get a picture of this thing. Yeah. I had made it already. It okay. wasn't like it was just some, you know, I'm going to pose the thing. So I wasn't concerned about that. I already had it. He shot the photos. It was a really seamless shoot. Yeah, it was a great day. I mean, I, I couldn't have been more, more happy. And I remember, you know, my first thought was, okay, now fully pose this thing. You know what I mean? Get on it, make it look like you're going to make it. And that's good. But very quickly, I thought I figured it out like, uh, I don't know, maybe you should try to maybe more like make the thing because I was hurting myself more just trying to get on it right. rather than actually getting on it completely and just trying to slide it. Uh -huh. So I think I maybe even made it that day but because as soon as I started board sliding and trying to grab mute, and I'm like, oh, this, that's not going to work either. And that's kind of, that's not going to go real well. So then I just tried to commit to the end. Right. And, and that's when the photo happened. Nice. Did you use uh, rails on your board ever? Yeah. Early on, I rode a lot of rails. And um, did you do I any really handrails with them? Yeah. I used to love, hand, I used to love putting rails on my board and doing handrails because you know, in the, in the back of band this, they have me going off a jump ramp, which is a total piece of junk. And <laughs> I was board sliding this flat lunch rail, you know, really far and grabbing my tail and just kind of cruising along and coming off. I mean, when you got rails on, you got a pretty consistent slide. Right. So, you know, there ain't this stuff now. You're like going to wax the bar and wax your board and everything's got to be hunky dory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like back then, it was like you just lock on and just kind of you crouch down and, oh, man, I got a cruise. You know, it was <laughs> kind of easy. It was a lot easier, dude. Yeah. Once you stopped using rails, was there an acclimation period where you were like, 
fuck? Yeah, well, I was, I was seriously not enjoying the fact that everybody stopped riding rails. Trust me, right at the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, and then what I would do, I try all kinds of weird stuff. I think it was in, uh, I don't even know, it might have been hot batch or something like that, but I battled with that for a while. Okay. I even, because in hot batch, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I actually burnt my board. I took a lighter to it. I mean, I was trying all kinds of strange stuff. I was like, man, something's got to, you know, make this thing slide a little bit better. And then eventually they came out with the slick bottom. And I'm like, man, now they're onto it. And, um, you know, so that's, huh. that's kind of, yeah, it was a battle, dude. Yeah. It was okay. a battle. Looking back now, I really wish I would have thought it through a little bit more. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to wax my board. I don't want to wax the rail. That is really going to be slippery. And, you know, I'm thinking back now, I absolutely should have. Mm. There was a there was a lot of times a lot Pal has a lot of footage. Um, I think it was banned this where in Montecito there's a really long rail that goes out about ten feet and then down and out and down. I had a gnarly double kink set up for ban this, and I slid out. I did it like five or six times and then they shut me down and we left. But I slid it out, down, out, and the down part was only like this big. So I kept like my middle of my board would just teeter on that last little nothing. And it was like a one or two step at the end. And uh, I just jumped off a few times and it's teeter on it. And I was, you know, to this day, I'm like, oh man, I was so close to ban this having a pretty hefty double kink dude. Shit. So just so I'm clear on this, do you think that that's because it's too expensive to waste too much film or they just don't have the patience to sit there with you? Like, why is it the short, like, you're done, we're out? Um, or they have I to film other people? There's too much to do? Like, what, No, what's... it was all me. Oh. It was all me and ban this. Um, I think it had to do with a few things. And the reason I tried to bring that up again to re- reflect back on that real quick just to let you know is because now that I'm thinking about it, oh, a little bit of wax would have gone a long way mm. on that last little piece. Right. Um, but I think it had to do with a lot of things. They wanted to go from spot to spot. That was part of it. Part of it was like, hey, the kink that I'm talking about is still there. And it's on the main Dragon Cedo with all the stores. Uh-huh. So it was not going to be long before the cops were there. Oh, okay. And then, and then, of course, there's also the fact of like, hey, here's, you know, Frankie. You know, we don't want to put him in a cast, you know, too quick. You know, so let's get him out of here. He gets a few shots at this thing and we're, we're getting him out of here. Okay. You know, so there a little was bit also of fear. that kind of a, uh. Yeah. And at the beginning of Band This, right at the beginning when the sound starts and I go off my Aldi ramp and I'm board sliding that long rail and I'm going like this and then I'm going like this. I did that on purpose. That wasn't like some natural feel. I was like, man, this is going to be sick in the video. I'm going to go like this like I'm losing my balance. I'm going to go like this like I'm losing my balance. And I'm going to reach out and I'm going to grab you and I'm going to come off of this rail. And um, I got real close to making it, but that was another one of those rails where it was a where I'm bringing it up. It was a little bit more of like, hey, man, we don't want to put Frankie in a cast. We just started filming. Yeah. No one was going to come that day. We were in the back of a school. We could have been there all day. Okay. But I probably would have hurt myself. Right. I, for some reason, couldn't lock it in right. Okay. So I, there's about a 20%, 30% chance I would have made it. So I have 50 to 60% chance I wouldn't have. And about yeah. a 20 to 30% chance I would have been a short day. 
Damn, that's so sick. The stories are really cool, man. I'm appreciating this a lot. Good way for me to wake up. Little coffee and Frankie Hill never hurt anybody. (laughs) Well, I already had my coffee, dude. I'm I'm definitely up. Let's go into the pro um, day. Uh, How do you find out that you're turning pro? I don't think back then they surprise you with a board like they do today, right? There's probably a process. How do you want your graphic to look maybe? what how how did it all go down did you win a contest or place well or the video parts kind of made you more popular or what was it what was the vibe well after public domain after i did the 11 i i'm not sure but i think some stuff started to evolve like hey man this guy is a little bit a video guy you know what i mean and then uh getting the shot at ban this you know the opening part of the video you know, the team manager, I was so excited. And then team manager coming to me and being like, don't blow it. And the excitement went to like pure fright really fast. Um, after ban this, I think they were starting to think like, hey, you know, maybe this guy's going to go pro. I was getting a ton of fan mail. And I, I would just write a ton of people back. Oh, right, George. Oh, tell George to turn me pro. And I was just hammering away, dude, using my old technique, you know, the old backdoor trick. Um, so I think eventually they're like, okay, you know, let's just give this guy a, a board. I think that's kind of how it, how it evolved. And they kept me away from contests after, you know, public domain, going into the band, this thing. The team mm-hmm. manager came to me one day and he's all, dude, you're not going to be doing any more contests. Because, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to be consistent, you know, alling over the biggest obstacle on the course or like, you know what I mean? It was right. more of like, even when I went to demos, I kind of have the thought of, okay, well, everyone's going to skate all day, but if I can do one thing today, that's just going to leave an impact, you know, let's, let's try to figure that out. You know what I mean? So that was kind of the, the clue that I was trying to go with. Exactly. So I, that's how that's how they kind of came about the evolution of me saying, "Hey, let's let's give the guy a board." It was basically just the people asking. Yeah, yeah, that's the shit. Um, early on, I I saw the difference between a contest skater and a guy like you're describing that didn't really care about the results but wanted to leave an impact. Like, oh, well, see that gnarly thing that no one's touching. I'm gonna be the guy that's remembered as I did that and. I might fuck up in the contest, but I'm going to get the one stunt that people, uh, we've always gravitated toward that. That's how, I think that's more or less how Buster Bale contests evolved for Thrasher, which was just like, we want to see the gnarliest shit. We don't care about you stayed on your board for two hours. We want to see one dynamic move. Got it. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I don't know if I was right on that little leading edge or not, but I think so. I, I do remember the team manager coming to me and being like, look, dude, your video parts are, are your, what, what you're about. Uh-huh. And it was like, you're not doing any more contests. You're just going to sit next to me and watch. Right. So I, you know, I was definitely somewhere around the beginning of that. Okay. So I think we skipped over it, but we need your reaction to both when the cover of Thrasher comes out, like when you see it for the first time, do you see it like, does someone show it to you? Are you 
blown away like you see it in a market um how does that go down and then what your reaction was to your first uh pro model as well got it okay i think if i remember right um the team manager hastings he got that thrasher early you know he was like oh i'm getting mine early and he brought me into his office and he showed me and i was just totally in shock you know I don't know any other way to explain it. I mean, that's your it was first like, cover, was, right? Yeah, first and only cover. Oh, you didn't get a cover of the other mags? No. Okay. Never, never wow. did. That was it. Wow. And um, I remember looking at it and just being like, "This is this is absolutely amazing." Pure shock, of course, and just so happy. And um, and of course, the pro model. Um, First seeing my my pro model coming out, you know, I kind of stole the Mike Vallely shape. You know, I put a bigger nose on it. A lot of so people like, did. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was riding that board at that time, and I loved that shape. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, put a little bit of bigger nose on that thing, and oh, mommy. So I saw that board, and I was just like with that bulldog on it and everything, and I was like, yeah, this is perfect. This is absolutely my pro deck. I was just so happy. Could ollie off the nose. You could dolly off the tail so yeah i was i was absolutely blown away i mean it the evolution of the whole thing it just kept kind of growing and growing and growing you know that's the bulldog graphic is your first one yes mm -hmm. rad and that came from what was that your ideology to like let's put a bulldog on there well yeah the thing was is uh you know i had been on tour a lot and uh, me and Hastings decided to go to Amsterdam, not on tour. We oh, decided shit. to go there, like, <laughs> just on vacation for a while. Red light. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's where we were at. So we would just hang out there, and he's all, we're going to go look at some art, and you might see a ramp. I'm like, all right. So we went there and hung out, and um, we were definitely, you know, waking up and going to the coffee shops first thing in the morning. And um, I remember going into the Bulldog coffee shop and the Bulldog had the best coffee okay. or whatever you want to call it. Whatever they're serving. <laughs> yeah, whatever they're serving, it was by far, by far the best. Okay. And um, so I'm like, Hastings, how about putting a Bulldog on my deck? And he's like, it sounds like a great idea. And I think that's all that we actually got accomplished on that trip was yeah. pretty much that conversation. Other than that, we we're totally just on break. Okay. Uh, is that stand out to you as one of your most special trips then because it inspired your first graphic? Is there some like, did you have a tour or a trip that was it just a little extra special that sticks out to you as a awesome memory, whether it be, the best crew, your best skating, the best place to go to or whatever? That's a real tough question, dude. Too many. Yeah, I have a few. I have a few. Um, but we'll, we'll go with uh, just so many amazing moments. Um, I went with uh, Tony and Bucky to Australia, and it was overcast. We were skating a tennis court. I was, we were all alling off a little ollie ramp over a, a big jump ramp standing up. And um, I looked over at Hastings and I'm like, dude, what if I kickflip grabbed over this thing? 
And he, and he's like, Oh, just go for it. I only tried it like once and I somehow kick flipped and got over it. And I'm like, Oh, so I just reached down and grabbed my board and landed it. I think it was like first try and, um, totally, totally was in shock that I got over this thing. There's actually video coverage of it out there. And, um, another time going and skating Venezuela Caracas with Chris Sin. Oh. Um, that tour was amazing. And uh, the last t- last demo, we were skating in a little ollie ramp over this huge box that was pretty much the size of a small refrigerator. And I was able to ollie mute over it. And uh, Pal never put that footage in a video. Um, they have it. But uh, that, was, that was an amazing moment. I was standing up at the end with the guy that brought me over there. I think his name was like Oswaldo or something. And he's like, man, just tell all the fans, hasta la vista, baby. They'll go crazy. And I'm like, hasta la vista, baby. And they all started screaming. And there's like these two big security guard guys. And they each had me on one arm. And they just kind of bear hugged me and pulled me back out of the crowd. You know, there was another time where I was in, uh, I think it was maybe France or Europe or something with Tony and Bucky again. And we were in a... uh, you know, a shopping mall inside and they were showing uh, propaganda on this big screen TV and all these kids were down below. And every time a video part came up, they were screaming bloody murder after it. And then after they saw my Ollie off that hill, I mean, the screams were just so far beyond real. Wow. I, I They never stopped, it seemed like. I put my hands, I was up above on the balcony with with tony and bucky and i put my hands out and i literally could almost feel the air vibrating it was just because they were screaming at the video right and they kept going and they eventually looked up at me and just kept screaming wow what a feeling dude it was brute it was crazy dude Uh uh-huh wow that's so sick dude yeah traveling with tony must be just already a circus like everybody's dying to see you guys right off the plane almost beetles or something you know like it's the bones brigade <laughs> it was it was a real eye opener for a little dirty rat uh-huh. to be touring with those guys sure I was in the back of the van girls were running down the street chasing the van in the middle of the street. I mean, I, you know, I never even had a girlfriend in high school. I mean, I didn't even, you know what I mean? I was like just like a total little scrubber, dirty skate rat guy. I mean, seeing this was surreal, dude. Fuck. Real cool, man. I, I that era of skateboarding. I mean, I'm older, so it's probably easy for me to say because that was when I was young, but that was, such an important time and so different than it is today um man you had some epic uh moments for sure with the the right people too like being around the right people is so important like having you know these guys that kind of mold you into what you're going to become and and you that you could get turned kook way or away from kook or down the middle and 
those early on, like what I'm going to do, how I'm going to react is like huge. How I interact in the van with other people. People don't sometimes understand that like the best skater ever might not be that cool in the van and he might get kicked off or like not even get a chance because he just doesn't blend well. Nobody wants the guy that's like looking at you the whole time every time he makes a trick or any of that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, having Tony and, and these polished veterans as your like guys is like real blessing also. Um, yeah, did you hear I was going to mention because you're kind of a guy that's been known to do a lot of mute grabs. Uh-huh. Uh, currently, we got Tony Hawk just came out with a video game, and he actually changed the name of the mute grab to the Weddle grab. I don't know if you're aware mm-hmm. of this. I am. Okay. Any thoughts on it? Um. Well, I believe the guy that made it up is Deaf. If I know that's the story right. correctly, that's right. And he made it up, and that those are the I guess the facts behind the case or whatever it is. But if he made it up, that's his. Right. And, I mean, to have Tony, you know, have a trick that you made up and, and, and he's able to give you that as like a gift or whatever the case is or right the wrongs or whatever it ends up being yeah. is is absolutely the, the best. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I would have loved to have something named after me. You know what I mean? I mean, if... If you know, I if the guy made the trick up, it's his. So yeah. there's no other way to, to to say that. Okay. Do you want? Do you need to take a quick little break or anything? Piss break or anything? I'm okay for now. If you want to take a break, it's fine with me. Okay. Yeah. Let me take a quick little piss. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. I'll be back right in a second. All right. Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And now, another first impression with Todd Hastings. You know, Frank was talking to me 
I don't know, 15, 16 back then. Just a little kid. And he was real small. You know, he was like fucking, he just came out of a street skating session. He was always dirty. He would, he would wear the same shirt for like a, days in a row. And he, he would turn it inside out. He's probably going to kill me for saying this, but um, he'd turn his shirt inside out and he'd blow his nose on his shirt. <laughs> On the inside of his shirt, and just keeps skating. So he was always kind of, um, you know, dirty. And I love that about him. He was fucking real street. This is a real fucking skateboarder. Didn't really have any filter. It's just him. and the style he was. Always had, you know, his unique style of skating and the way he approached things. Just his, um, his view on the obstacles was a little different than most people. And that's kind of what you're looking for in a an innovative skater is somebody's just kind of seeing outside of the box and Frankie always did that he just always had a unique way of um, viewing things and a real unique style about him when skateboarding companies started making clothes and putting everybody in there you know fucking robot here out of anybody that I knew Frankie was bad at us oh fuck don't put that kid in fucking corporate clothes he's unique you've got something different here we should be listening to and not snuffing out and just putting a note you gotta be like this and um, eventually that wound up happening, just like it does with all skaters and all of them. But Frankie, that's really unique when he started that. You can see that when you see early pictures of him. Frankie was, um, was a trendsetter. He really was. He did his own thing. Hi, this is Frankie Hill, and you're with Talkin' Schmidt. The dog. We coming into uh i think we skipped over propaganda a little which was pretty fucking important that's the one with the big dirt gap you've seen pat duffy talk about how he drove down there he had to look at it and do it that mute grab down that gap it seemed like he was in the air for an eternity and we were like there's no way like how was that possible it was so huge I actually cut school, made up a story for the weekend, told my mom that we were doing something for school, drove down to Santa Barbara just so that I could go, like the four of us, just so because I wanted to ollie that gap. I had to do it. Cut school on a Friday, went down Saturday, and I just remember looking at the thing like, this is huge, but I, can't, I drove all the way down. I made up a lie. We made up this huge... Uh, you know, extravagant excuse to get down there. So I had to, I had to try, and I tried. I went and I tried to do it. And I first, I slammed so hard, unbelievably hard, the first few times. And then I noticed that both of my my trucks were broken. <laughs> but it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Like, how do you break both your trucks on one try? And I, I, I don't know what it was in my brain, but I like gave it one more shot on two broken trucks and ended up I remember it was so hard to push because it was it was like uh, I don't know my wheels were sticking the bearings weren't moving very well but I I, I gave it one more try and actually rolled away and uh, I just want to thank Frankie Hill for for uh, showing me the way like that was gnar that like that was ridiculous it was just like showing us that you could actually go that fucking huge on a skateboard Earlier videos probably as well, but this clearly was like a huge inspiration for a lot of the guys that are doing it today or and that have come along since. Um, what was that like? I remember you starting the video part out. I always was interested in that um, with a little 
kind of quirky, hey, there's Frankie Hill, I'm, I do big one-foots or something, I forget yeah. what you said. But. Hi, my name's Frankie Hill, and I like to throw down the big, fat, ollie one-foot. <laughs> Was that kind of like part of Stacy's vibe like hey start it out like this or say something or was that just you and who you were well I really uh had a lot of little like uh, original things I used to say and uh me and my you know me and my friends we kind of almost had our own little language going okay and I think they really wanted to capture that that particular day you know, I wasn't in my friend. I wasn't, you know, really with my friends in my little like zone where things are just kind of happening naturally, and you're just kind of throwing stuff around. Um, they kind of came to me and they put the camera up, and they're like, "Okay, Frankie, now say something original." Okay. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, I, I'm Frankie Hill, and I like to throw down the big fat ollie one foot, like something that I would never say." <laughs> yeah, that's what. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, that's perfect. And I'm like, that's not perfect. <laughs> but so that's kind of, you know, the old deal that I never was able to, uh, to you know, kind of separate myself from. But mm. in any case, you okay. know, in retrospect, I should have said something else. But Well, I know you've probably talked about it a bunch, but I got to hear about that dirt gap and how long you had looked at it, like um, the pro, like, was it something you had known about for a while and, and, or was it, and then how did you end up deciding like, we're going to go get this? Okay. Um, well, this gap was at my high school Oh. and I spent a lot of time staring at this thing <laughs> and we would skate at the lunchtime. We'd all be off, uh, you know, little bumps over garbage cans in the back and you know and i was always talking to my friends about it you know i'm gonna do this before i graduate you know and uh it just didn't happen i mean this thing was a monster and it was scary because for a little short guy you stand at the top of it right on the edge of the concrete and you couldn't see the end because it bubbled out so you didn't even know where it ended and uh so i spent my entire high school looking at it never did it and then it was a few months after i graduated and we were filming for the video and that particular morning i had woken up late because i don't know what i was thinking but i had drinking some tequila the night before okay and they were like banging on my window waking me up and i was skating with frank harada that day and Frank was skating really well. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the day is starting to wind down. And they're like, my team manager looked at me. He's like, man, Frankie, he's like, you want to do anything today? The day was starting to wind down. And the team manager looks at me. He's like, do you want to do anything today? And uh, I said, okay, well, I will go show you this gap that I wanted to do. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to show you it. And they were like, okay, let's go. We're already almost halfway there. Might as well go. So we went over there. I went up there with the team manager and we looked at it and I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Let's get out of here. So we started walking away and we got halfway down the hall and he's like, hang on a second here. Just, just sit down for a minute. So I sat down next to him 
and we took a little break. And then he kind of looked at me and he was like, he's like, if you do this, your life will never be the same. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right, let's do it. I guess. That's Hastings? The team manager of Powell. Hastings, right? Yep, Todd Hastings, master motivator. Okay. The guy knew, knew how to get it out of me, for sure. He did it more than once. (laughs) And uh, so we went back up there, and it was scaring me, obviously. But as I was standing there, I thought to myself, okay, you know, because I'm scared. I'm scared out of my mind. I'm like, okay, Frankie, I don't know if I'm going to break my ankles or whatever the case is going off this thing. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I'm like, okay, dude, just to do this, you're just going to have to drop the fear, dude. So I just let the fear go. And I said, I have no idea what's going to happen, but we're going to find out. So I backed it up. I go flying at this gap. First try, mock it. And I just fly off the gap. My adrenaline is just through the roof. And I come down and I land it. And it felt like I ollie off a curb, dude. Maybe not even ollie, maybe just rolled off a curb. And as soon as my wheels touched the ground, I and it was perfect, I jumped off the board and I put my hands over my head and I just started screaming. I'm like, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna make this. Oh my God. I was just like flipping. And right after I was screaming, it kind of came to my mind. I'm like, you got to go back up there and do this again, Frank. <laughs> and then I got, I got, I got a little quieter. It's like, oh no. So I went up and I took a little bit of speed off it and I changed the approach just slightly. I said, okay, now this one's going to be nuts. I'm going to ollie out, grab the mute. I'm going to try to grab it a little late, like pop it out, grab it a little late, suck it up a little bit. And I'm going to let it go a little early. So that way, when I let it go, I'll be like at least head high or even higher. And I'll just float down and it'll look nuts. And that's the one they used. And if you slow-mo it, you can see both of my feet are off the board and the board's already rolling on the ground. And I'm totally like extended, standing up in the air and my shorts are all up. I'm like, and that's why I came down and I kind of put my hand on the ground because that wasn't on my board. And then they said, uh, okay, we got it, man. That's it. Let's go. And that's when I'm like, okay, you guys can go. I'm all, I, I got to do this again. This one's going to be for me because I'm not coming back. And they kind of looked at me like, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have to do this. Uh-huh. And so I went back up there, took a little more, more speed off it. And they filmed it from a little bit of a different angle. So it didn't quite look as big. That's why they didn't use it. Mm. But I took a little more speed off, popped it out, landed it, and I landed squatting down. So that way I would, you know, I wouldn't weeble wobble off when I was rolling away. And I was right. just squatted down with my hands above my head, like victory. And I just rolled away into the sunset like that. I couldn't stand up because the knees were just locked out. And that's how that ended. So sick. Yeah, you're so in the air the for you're in the air for a while. Yeah, dude, that was a that was a monstrosity, dude. Is that looking back like at everything you've done, maybe one of the 
biggest things that you remember? Like, was that one of your hardest accomplishments? Yeah, it really was. Mentally, by far, it was. Mm -hmm. Because you looked at it at school all the time, and you, you, you were well aware of it. I'm well aware, dude. Uh-huh. And I, you know, like I said before, I, I, I didn't know if I would ever do it, you know. And, um, you know, there was a lot of times I tried tricks for literally almost seemed like months on end. I'd burn out filmers. I'd burn the battery out of my camera. You know, I'd ended up on a chair or whatever at the PAL facility and just hacking away for months on end. Um, so there's that challenge. But as right. far as like, you know, oh, you're not going to get many more shots. You know, you'll get, maybe get three shots before your leg snaps. You know, you better make it. You know, mm. that kind of a situation. Yeah, that, that gap for sure was, was up there. Okay. This part is really funny to me because I didn't know about it till maybe yesterday. <laughs> I was doing a little research. I, I, I watched all your video parts just to refresh in my memory and – uh I'm watching Celebrity uh, Tropical Fish, yes. and all of a sudden I hear it. Ask me off two egg rolls, some cheese, some smitty, some smitty. Some smitty. Yeah. And I just crack up. I'm like, are you kidding me? What, what's what's the story behind that? You were talking Schmidt back in 91. Yeah. Let's just... I was talking Schmidt, dude. I was talking Schmidt back in 91, dude. Making my way around for a little bit of snitty, a little blonde, a little brown, a little other, little roundabout way for my snitty. What it was is I was in France. And at this point, I was kind of definitely in the mix. Things were ahead evolved. And I was actually talking about... Uh, you know, the girls, basically. And it was just a little code name that I was using for girls, at the, basically, at the time. And in Europe, it was, it was I had an amazing time. And, and uh, the, the, the people there, you know, they totally put you at ease. Everything is just so mellow and don't worry about it. And everything's just cruising. You know, it's made a lot less, seems a little less stressful than here in the States for me. For sure. So for being able to flow something out, they caught me at the right moment on that one for sure that I was able just to like, you know, throw some, you, you got a good glimpse at, at, you know, the way that I talked. Sick. Yeah. And then do you, who owned the farm? There was like that end part where you're like, oh. They owned a farm, three pigs, two cows, a couple of chickens with French egg rolls with cheese and rice and lettuce and tomato and onion and raisins. Oh, now, this is interesting. <laughs> um, I had skated with Ray Simmons a lot. And um, I, I really wanted to uh, throw something in there for Ray, you know, to put a little shine on Ray for his uh, Ray Simmons, for all of his contributions that he made. He, right. I really looked up to him as a total hammer thrower. And I'm like, uh -huh. okay, now you're going to have to throw something together good for this to, to stick in the video. And that was one of the times where I was able to actually flow something out on demand, um, which really wasn't my MO. Um, they owned a farm. They had a chickens and French egg rolls and chicken and rice and, and Ray's Simmons. And uh, so I really threw it together and, and um, I'm happy that they put it in the video. You know, awesome. any, any, anything I can, you know, give the guys that I 
that I really respect, I'm, I'm happy to do, you know what I mean? Well, that's interesting that you bring up Ray because I think he's on the phone right now. We just got a phone call from him. Hey, he's got a question for you. <laughs> hey, Frankie, it's Ray Simmons. Ray, Ray, we're talking Schmidt. Yeah, we're talking I got, Schmidt. Uh, two requests. Right. Can you tell a story about uh, Joel Rona, you guys skating in Santa Barbara? And can you tell everyone about one of your most memorable skate sessions, whether you were by yourself or with, or you were with other people? That would be awesome. Thanks, dude. All right. <laughs> yeah, thanks for calling, Ray. Okay. Um, Joel Rota, I believe um, he was, I believe he had some shots in the A Street video, if I remember right. Yep. And I, I believe I remember us skating around UCSB. And um, the guy was really talented, great skater, and really, really a great guy, too. Mm-hmm. Really, really a nice guy. And um, my most memorable skate session, um, wow. I, I've got a lot of them. But I believe, if I'm thinking correctly, well, let's just go with this one. It was in video eight, and we, me and Kit Erickson were doing ollie board slides down the 14 stair kink at the event center. And he had already ollie board slid to fakie down that 14 that day. And um, he, he had bailed his board at the bottom on one of the on one of his shots and in the video i ollied a board slide down the rail and his board's at the bottom of the rail on the right hand side and he kind of has his eyes on me he's not looking at his board but he's trying to lean forward and grab his board and as he does i'm, I'm about halfway down and i kind of go like this a little bit on the rail <laughs> yes. and he's like oh he misses his board and he's looking at me and he's like oh and he goes for it again and he kind of reaches down and looking at me and tries to grab his board and I go like that again. He's all, ugh. And then he's like, I think in his mind, he's like, you know what, scrap it. And he just got out of the way. And I was able to take the board to fakie and missed his board because I was not able to go fakie for some reason on that rail that day. I was having a really tough time. Okay. So, so he actually got me to go fakie because his board was on the ground there. And uh, sick, real, really happy, really happy, and uh, definitely a memorable moment, um, as far as that's concerned. And uh, I don't know, one more memorable moment that's a little bit of a, a different one was uh, I remember uh, my friend Greg Halleck, Isla Vista, he's from San Jose and he knows the San Diego guys real well and everything. And he came to me one day and he's like, Okay, well, um, Jed Walters and uh, the guy that does all the skate parks and stuff now, he like builds skate parks, Kent and Russell. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Okay, Kent and Russell and Jed Walters. So uh, uh, he's like, okay, well, they showed up at UCSB and they just destroyed UCSB. And uh, they came in there and Jed Walters, Ollie Borch slid fakie the 14 and then Ollie the stairs in the same session. And I'm like, oh, a little bit of a mind melter, dude. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, well, okay, you know, I got to get over there, I guess. Oh, man. So I ran over there and muted the 14 and then backside bunged it. 
And, uh, and then about 30, you know, 20 years later or whatever, their footage finally, you know, comes out. And I just watched it like a month ago. And uh, Jed Walters, he ollie board slid the rail and Canton Russell ollie the stairs. And then I'm like, I went up to my friend Greg and I'm all, dude, this is on you. I'm all, I'm all you told me that this guy did all this and uh, I'm putting this on you, man. And he's all, no, man, I never said that. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm like, you got me to go over there, my friend. Oh my God. So in a way I should be thanking him for, for getting me to, to huck an Ollie down those stairs. Cause that definitely wasn't on my to-do list, you know? Sure. Wow. Oh yeah. True or false. Uh, the Gons asked you to ride for blind. That would be true. Uh, what, what era was that? Was that in between? Was that before propaganda? after propaganda okay what happened was is um i got a phone call and um i picked the phone up and it was mark <laughs> and he's like hey man you know do you want to go up to san francisco and skate with me and jason lee and i'm like absolutely and uh so what i did was is i talked to the team manager and i you know pretty much asked him for permission and uh, not pretty much. I absolutely asked him for permission to go. You know what I mean? Back then, things were a little bit different, you know, maybe than today. And uh, he said, absolutely, man. It's a great opportunity for you. Go up there. I'm like, okay, great. So Mark and Jason showed up to my house in a van. And I jumped in there. We drove up to San Francisco and skated for the weekend. I didn't shoot any video, not one picture, no evidence at all. I mean, my mom was standing in the doorway, so I guess I got my mom to back me. So I went up there, and we were eating, it was like Chinese dinner or something like that one night. And Mark's all, well, yeah, do you want to skate for blind? And I just, I was just like, no. Now, immediately. Yeah, straight away. Uh And, um, you know, and that was it. They didn't really say anything back. They just continued to eat. And then that was it. And we skated more and then they took me home. That was it. Okay. And, um, I had no intention of riding for blind. Um, I mean, for me, you know, the opportunity was too, too big to pass up. I I would never pass that up ever, obviously. So that's, that's that. And I wanted to ride for Powell forever you know what i mean that that was my that was my intention you know i i get it i see how skateboarding evolved you know i saw what happened over time but you know i i literally had to go kicking and screaming you know what i'm saying right so was that before the blind video or after the blind video that was before that was before root and guy and get you know all those guys that was before them all that was uh oh, that was shit. just jason lee and mark in a van and when the video came out did you think like anything like ooh, i could have been in that or um i don't know i didn't know if i really thought that way or not you know i know i knew that i thought wow this video was amazing <laughs> i knew yeah. i thought that <laughs> um yeah i mean i definitely thought that 
um, and the way that it was portrayed and the way that it was filmed and the vibe yeah, and everything. Spike. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a, uh, this is going to be a hit. Yeah. You know, the way that I all kind of was flowed together like that. Um, you know, yeah, you know, but I, I've always been the kind of guy that, you know, you dance with the person that brought you. That's just the way it was for me. I never really looked looked at it as like, you know, something different really than that, you know. I never heard it put that way. I like that. Danced with the person that brought you. Yeah, stay true to the ones that, you know, were there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that video is arguably the greatest video ever made in skateboarding. I mean, it's huge influence, but... Uh, <laughs> yes! Yeah, wow. Um, do you have some special SF memories? Like, you skated the Gons and Embarcadero, right? Absolutely. So, uh, I went up there with Rudy and Guy. We were on the way up there, and... Uh, and it was basically like, okay, man, okay, we're going to go to Embarcadero, you know, what, what's going on? And I was giving him the breakdown because I would already been there. And I'm like, okay, the Mark, the Mark Gonzalez Ollie is high. It's skinny. It's kind of long. I mean, it's a lot of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was giving him the breakdown. So we showed up and uh, uh, Rudy, Ollie, the Gons Ollie. You know, and then I, I did the Gonzali again after after that. And um, Guy was a little bit smaller back then, but he was, you know, killing it. I think he, like, one-footed the double set or something. Uh-huh. You know, something amazing. And I kickflip muted, I think, the double set. Yeah, skating with those guys up in SF was was amazing. I mean, you, you're just in your element when, when you're with those guys. If, if you're skating a good skate spot, you're you're just you're having a good time there's no doubt about it and when you were that age driving i mean you drove up you didn't fly right you drove we up. drove so you're on like a let's say five and a half six hours whatever the trip is to get up here in your head you know what embarcadero is these are almost like driving to skate parks but it's just like a natural terrain that is iconic already at that time mm-hmm. so you're the hype is you're coming out of the door just like excited to be there right yeah yeah exactly yeah the the, the real deal is like when i got there i went straight to the gons snapped it went straight to the double kickflip muted it i was hammering away on this spot it wasn't like i was you know kind of dancing around it i knew exactly what i was in for you know my session ended in about an hour or less you know i'm like boom 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 i'm you know done done yeah <laughs> rad did you see anyone there was there anybody uh like locals or other pros or anything that um whoa javante's here or whatever um well the mayor was there oh and uh he was chilling and i actually have a shot um i believe oh man i think it might have been it might have been grant Britton, possibly i believe either Grant or Mofo was there and they got a picture of me Ollie in the Gons and the mayor's chilling right there. You know, he's just chilling. Kicking so, back. Yeah, yeah, he's kicking back. 
Yeah, how uh, rad, dude. Yeah, I'm meeting up with him soon, actually. I just talked to him, and we're going to do one of these like next week, maybe, hopefully. Oh, that's cool, dude. Yeah. So. yeah he's super cool. Um, okay, this part is probably a little uh, more tender, heartfelt stuff, but uh, today marks the anniversary of... Phil Shaw died on this day in 1998, and uh, he was pretty, no, not pretty much. He was everything. The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today was because of Phil. He grew up in uh, Redwood City as well as I did, and he basically got me into Thrasher, got me into Think. I was filming with him, like everything. I, I met all these people, Jake, the whole deal. Um, I've said it a million times. Um so that's been kind of like actually this morning I did some reflecting and you know it's been 22 years it's it is what it is but there's definitely you know god damn it me and my friend Tim McKinney we always talk about like what would he be doing now you think about like what ifs and all that stuff um I know Kid Erickson was close to you um and we lost him way too early as well I was just wondering if you could maybe touch a little bit you don't have to if it's too emotional or whatever but maybe say a little something about kit and uh what it meant to you and then what it did to you kind of post his death as far as like you know like having for for me phil actually motivated me through my whole life including when he was gone because there's been times where I was like, I have to do this for Phil. When I didn't feel like I could do it, I'd be like, and Jake was a huge fan of Phil and I worked side by side with Jake. So we had that camaraderie, like we're at this new park. What would Phil do here? Fucker, get some. So anyway, I could go on forever about Phil. Um, But yeah, I'd love to hear. I didn't know Kit well. Well, when I got to high school, well, it was actually junior high. I met Kit a little bit back then, you know, but not much. He was kind of in and out. You know, we were skating, weren't really super good friends. High school, we started to hang out more and pretty much skated every day. Every day after school, I would I would skate out from my high school to Isla Vista and skate with Kit and Brandon. You know, Kit was like a brother to me. Super talented. He's always so positive it was a trip i remember one day i like put that positivity to the test and i'm like i'm having a terrible day this is awful and he's all dude your table turn around and i'm all no it won't you know and i kept trying to hit him and bring him down you know and i'm like i'm physically trying to bring the guy down because he's so positive and he never broke he never broke his his stride on that you know and eventually i kind of gave up a little and i'm like yeah man this guy he he is positive, you know, because sometimes I'll be like, yeah, dude, this has gone south. You know, at least I'll, you know, hit it. But, he, you know, to lose him was was really, really tough. Um, and to, to kind of know that, you know, he did a rail and to hit his head on a car bumper as he tried to run out of it, got the concussion, and then was walking down some stairs and lost consciousness and then things went south from there. Um, I had gone back to school at that time, and uh, I was getting out in just a few months. 
and I was planning on getting a job and trying to get a place to live and I was going to bring them in or, you know what I mean? Try to reconnect. I mean, something, anything. Right. And, uh, to lose them at that time was just absolutely brutal. And, uh, his dad gave me his board, his setup that he rode right before he passed away. And, uh, my knee was obviously still shot. You know, I eventually ended up writing his setup and by the grace of the God, you know, my knee didn't really hurt when I rode it around and it kind of helped me, you know, get going after the board was shot. I put his trucks on my next setup until the, until the trucks were, you know, pretty beat up. And now I just held on to those and held on to that board too, you know, just for me. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things and you're right. Like, you know, even just lately, you know, like I'll go skate and I'll be like, you know, I easily, easily could just walk away from this. You know what I mean? But I'm like, no, you know I mean? It's like a little bit of a, a driving force. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely part of me <clears throat> that keeps fighting. Yeah. No, the same way. I mean, it's, I hate the cliche. I hate all the cliches, even though I'm guilty of using them at times, I know. But uh, the do it for the ones that can't always comes up. And these mantras that people cling on to, I feel like they're not heartfelt after everyone uses them. So it kind of, I have mixed emotions about it. Um, but what I would say is, I mean, that's so true. We have to do it for the ones that can't because they're looking down at you going, you better do it, fucker, because I can't, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's emotional. I've lost some really close people in my life, but Phil was the first. He was way too young. And I believe the similarities are pretty crazy because I believe kit was the same year i think that they both were 98 that's just that's absolutely brutal dude yeah so i appreciate you sharing that with you know i know it's hard to to dive into the emotions of uh all this stuff absolutely dude you just keep firing and when you can you you bring it up when you can you give them some shine yeah and it that's part of the 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 keeping the fire burning and at the end of the day you know i'm gonna i'm gonna keep giving them some shine till you know as long as i can yeah i let you know it's touching on a little uh more positive vibe um three dudes i was hoping you could say a little something about uh tommy guerrero Nadis coppice mark gonzalez those three guys, um, for me, were the beginning of Street Explosion and um, heavy pioneers. Uh, what did they mean to you, each one? Okay, um, we'll go ahead and start with Mark. It's it's a, it's real easy to start with Mark. Uh -huh. You know, it's like poetry in motion. He's like an artist, and he does. He's he's never stopped. Always an inspiration always doing something different. You know, that's a big one for me. Growing up, we used to have skate jams and, and uh, guys like Henry, local guys, you know, John Detman, Rob Washburn, uh, 
Mike Taylor, Mike yeah. Kresge, um, a lot of guys, and uh, everybody would do something different. It may not be exactly what you want to do, but they're doing all different things in the same area. And everybody has respect for everybody's different stuff. And for me, that's a community. And that's, that's what it's about. It's not like I'm going to do this one little technical trick and then I'm going to spend the next 45 minutes, you know, talking crap to you because you're not, you, you can't do it. You know, so, you know, the individuality is a big, is a big one for me that Mark brought to the table. Nottis, the guy brought pure hammers. He was super technical too. You know, let's not forget that. But for me, I remember seeing him at my first contest that I ever entered, and he comes flying across the parking lot and tries to ollie off, an, ollie off a jump ramp over a car, and his wheel goes right through the bottom of the jump ramp. He does a flip over the back of the car without even touching it, except for his ankle that blasts open and blood spilling out. He runs around the side of the car, and he's saying, I made it, I made it, and he's bleeding out on my board before my run. And I'm just this little grommet looking up at him, and I'm just thinking, dude, I've, you know, I'm, this is, this, if this is what I'm up against, I mean, I better bring it. You know what I mean? I mean, this is hectic. So Nottis was intricate, and me looking at skating like, you know, if you're going to really go for something, you know, don't just, don't just ollie it and shoot your board over it. You know what I mean? I mean, you're going to have to just, you know, I've got it. I'm going to make it. Here goes a hammer. Here goes a throw hammer. Hammer, 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 hammer. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And if you pack, it's actually a little bit easier on you than if you're just trying to bail your board a bunch and things may go south. Mm. So Nottis really, you know, brought that to the table. And, of course, his technical ability, too. I mean, the guy did so many amazing things. And Tommy G. Tommy G was you know, the rock star, the, the guy that could ollie, you know, over a Mack truck off an ollie ramp, you know, and super good flow. Yes. Yeah, amazing style. style. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, wow. I mean, you put all three of those guys together and, you know, it's like the unstoppable thing, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, all three of those guys were super influential to me absolutely wow yeah um okay and then the knee injury you want to touch on that a little bit when when did you blow blow it out like what year was that it was 93 93 and that basically i mean that put you out of skating for like five or six years i think yeah that's correct uh, what was that period like? Um, well, what happened was it was right after my Frank Tank board came out. Yep. And um, it was right when things really went into the popsicle shape. Yep. And uh, I had already, I was skating the Powell Warehouse and a major magazine came to me and said, hey, we're going to be shooting a, uh, you know, poster book. You know, let's go out to UCSB. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go home. I'm done. I'm tired. I already skated my brains out trying to do this trick and never made it. And he's like, oh, no, you know, come on, man, come on. So it was one of those times I kind of, you know, submitted, and um, which was a lesson. 
And um, so I went out there and I backside lip slid like this five stair. And you know, you know, photographers, I mean, you always need a backup photo. So then I'm like, okay, for my backup photo, I'm going to ollie off nine stairs and over this wall that extends out. So instead of coming straight down the hallway and just ollieing off the stairs and ollieing over the wall, I decided to make uh, an immediate left turn and arc at it, thinking it would be easier for me to kind of go over the wall that way. But anyways, my front foot slipped off, and I didn't even know it slipped off. I didn't even feel it because the front truck barely clipped the edge of the wall on the way out, and it just moved my board away, and I didn't even know. Oh, man. And I, I landed with my front foot straight, you know, and the whole knee just shot out. And, um, of course, I screamed. And um, I ended up having to sit on my butt and basically push myself off campus. And, um, you know, eventually I went to the doctors and the doctor's like, absolutely, this thing's toast. And um, so, you know, I ended up not getting back in there for the surgery. What was it, ligaments? Um, yeah, the ligaments were blown. ACL? ACL, the, the inside one was torn. The one in the back that connected to the bones, that was ripped in half. The cartilage on the outside of the knee had dislodged. Oh, Everything man. was ripped except for the front one. That was the only thing left. So I didn't get back in for the surgery. Eventually, it turned out that I didn't see the surgery coming my way. So I basically didn't want to be the guy who just stands on the sidelines doing the baby heart seal clap for everyone. <laughs> yeah. That I was too competitive at that no, point. You can't watch what you love to do and not be able to do it. Yeah. So I had to quit. It was oh. never what I wanted. Sure. But there was no, there was not going to be a way that I was going to watch what was coming. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I walked and uh, I skated for Consolidated for a few months, and they were, you know, writing me some checks, helping me make my rent. Oh. And um, I felt guilty for that because I wasn't able to skate for them. Uh -huh. And I just called them up and said, look, you guys, I don't, I don't want to take your money. You know what I mean? I'm not producing here. So sure. I quit that soon after. And that was basically it. And uh, it was only later... You know, did I file some workers' compensation paperwork, you know, which is just insurance through the state of California. Mm -hmm. And um, I got the surgery and I was able to um, get re-educated, skated with uh, Armando Brajas at Pasadena ah. College. Like right before I graduated, we went out and skated together, which was really fun. Except for at the end of the session, I tried to walk across a crosswalk and my knee just blew out as I walked oh. across the crosswalk. I was in the middle of a busy street and my whole leg just shot right out from under me. And I had to like hold on to both sides of it to bring it back because oh, the tendons were still loose. And then I kind of limped across the street and said, okay, well, you know, obviously you're not ready. And um, took a few more years before I was able to skate again, letting the tendons tighten up, you know, and I did some really light walking around parks and stuff and staring at birds and whatever else I could do to try to, you know, keep some, you know, body function moving. 
until I was able to finally skate again, which I was eventually I skated and did a video for revolver was really happy to get that video out. And, you know, that was me kind of telling skating that I'm not going to go out limping. You know, that was me saying, I'm going out skating. Nice. And that was, you know, that's, that's the story behind that. Okay. Were, while you weren't skating in that period, were you completely mentally out of skateboarding or were you paying attention to what was going on? Or was it just too hard to pay attention because you couldn't do it? I was trying to pay attention a little bit, but, you know, going to school, you know, I was never like super great at school. Hmm. You know, they tried to get me out of there the first day after I took a test. It was basically, you know, what's your name and where do you live? You know, they held me after class and said, look, dude, um, I don't know if this is for you. You know, you may, you may not make it here. And I said, please give me another shot. I just focused on school after that. You know, I did quite well actually, but to answer your question, I didn't keep an eye on skating too much because I was just trying to focus on what I needed to do to get through school and to get that little accreditation right. because in my heart, I felt like something had been ripped away from me that I yeah. couldn't get back. Mm. I mean, when I couldn't skate anymore, I mean, I mean, I felt like I wasn't even alive anymore. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was tough to watch for sure. You know, I so know. when I was able to come back and skate again, eventually, um, I, I was trying to kind of play catch up and I started watching tons of videos, just eight, 10 hours a day. You know what I mean? Just reeling them through, just trying mm. to get it all back. And, um, even at the end of the revolver video, I twisted my knee a little bit and I knew it wasn't that bad and I was able to skate again after, yeah. um, but I knew it was going to be a lifetime challenge, which I knew it was as soon as it happened. You know, some challenges are short, some are long. And uh, so, you know, to answer your question, I tried to look as much as I could. I definitely looked for, for Kit. You know, I wanted to see what he was doing. Sure. You know, and some of the other guys I really, you know, cared about. But, you know, I mean, obviously it hurt immensely in my heart, you know, that, uh, you know, right after it happened, before the surgery, I had to make ends meet. So I worked at a brake parts delivery place, you know. And, you know, the Santa Barbara guys, Dylan Gardner, Sammy Baptista, and, you know, all the other guys, they were all skating around. And I would be going around in my work truck, you know what I mean? Passing them as they skated, making right. my 4.50 an hour. I was off, I was the warehouse manager at 4.50 an hour, you know? So it was a uh, challenging time. I can imagine. <laughs> Did you feel like you kind of lost friends at the same time? Like, did phone calls from certain people stop coming that you were kind of disappointed in that was like, oh, not able to do this, so I'm not on your radar anymore? In some ways, you think that I would think that, but I didn't think that. Huh. Because throughout my entire skating life, it was just, you know, you, you, you meet the guys, you go skate, you, you hang together, you know what I mean? We hang together all day, you know, we're, we're hanging together for years, you know, but the skating is the glue. And when I couldn't, when I couldn't do it, and the phone absolutely stopped ringing, like immediately, I lost everything. 
um, I wasn't, I wasn't mad at them. Hmm. If anything, I was almost proud, you know, that they were going to just keep firing and, and do whatever they were going to do to keep, to keep going. Sure. You okay. know, but you know, that's just kind of the way I, I, I saw it. Right. You know, not to say that I wasn't like super beyond bummed because yeah. you know how competitive I am. Right. I mean, it was just like it. I mean, I couldn't even tell you what I was going through in my head, dude. I mean, for a few years there, you know, I was dreaming to, you know, not wake up when I went to sleep every night for about two years. So, yeah, right. it was tough. The tequila intake increased a little bit. <laughs> you um, start self-medicating a little bit, probably. Well, well, the tequila didn't really didn't really uh, happen. But let's say, you know, pretty much every possible negative influence you go down like a had their, yeah i mean i i was there for years you know i was trying to stay sober long enough to get through my one course at city college to try to prove to myself that i was getting somewhere right you know and then, and then of course my mind would wander so bad that i would get a b in english fight my way from a c minus to a b and then I would just be doodling on the paper as the teacher told us when the final was. And then I would show up to the final an hour late and end up failing the course. Okay. Like I couldn't get a grasp. Like a little I bit of ADD. Yeah, dude. I couldn't get it together, dude. Yeah. School's never been like mine. It seemed like the harder the courses were, the sort of the better that I would do. Because it was kind of a challenge, almost like, oh, totally. I would see people dropping like flies. And I'd be like, oh, so I get all focused. Right. And I would start like getting, getting good. But then yeah. as soon as I had a handle on it a little bit, I would just completely mentally check out, dude, and fail. Yeah. That's what happened Strange. with uh, Phil. Um, I keep bringing Phil up, but uh, he dropped out of high school. And then he got his GED or whatever. And then he went back and he went to UC Berkeley. And he did really <laughs> well in the university at this high level thing. And what yeah. he said to me was, dude, I figured it out. And I was like, what was it? And he's like, public school was way too easy. I was just bored. So I couldn't no. do it. And then once it got challenging, I was all in. And then my focus... And I started like really thriving. And Correct. I think that's for some people, that's the case. Okay. Since we're kind of on the subject, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I'll just tell you really quick. Um, like I said, when I first got there and they took, they gave me the easy test and I failed it. Yeah. Um, after that, I changed my focus completely. And that was the dental school that I had to get through to get my education back. So I would play a game. I would pick all the smartest people around me. And I would, we would play like who could get the best scores. And I knew they would love that game because they beat me every time. Uh -huh. So we would start playing these games and I would just focus every day for two years. And at the end of the two years on the final exam, I aced it. I got a 4.0 in the course. I got the best GPA out of the entire class. And I got the best award they had to give out. And it was like, 
it was like the skater's mentality of just like, you know, like a difficult trick or something. I'm going to yeah. figure this out. Yeah. The competitive nature, all of it. Fuck, that's sick, dude. I like that one. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Uh, so what's 2020 all about for you? Are you are you a dentist? Um, no, I'm a laboratory technician. I make prosthetic teeth. And uh, the only reason I decided to do that is because they said I was good with my hands and my little dexterity tests that I did. And my stepdad told me that if I went to school and got my accreditation that he was guaranteeing me a job. And that was the only thing I knew that I was going to get for sure in this world at that time. So, so I just said, sign me up. All right. Uh, do you wake up? How do you wake up every morning? Do you have like arthritis and pain? Is it a, like personally, I have to do this next uh, loosening up every morning for like a half hour. Like, I'm not good to go right out of bed. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm I'm wondering you with these high level performances through your life. Like, has that taken its toll on your body, or did the surgery help you become the six million dollar man? What? Well, um, the surgery helped quite a bit. Okay. Um, the the screws are slightly coming out of my knee. I can see them a little bit, but it doesn't stop it. And it, it doesn't feel too bad. I'm definitely not going to go out only in no 15 stairs right now. That's for sure. And I have a little bit of like nagging stuff. Like I got, you know, I think we all have the trick of the swell bow thing. You know, that's obviously never going to go away. Mm-hmm. And I have a pretty bad turf toe from the pal skate park. Mm. But, um, you know, and I broke my back ankle and that's, that's actually not too bad a shape. So overall, I'm really in pretty good shape. Nice. Um, I got a hip. I got a little bit of a hipper that never really went away. It's kind of like a little bag. You you're know, staying like, oh, lean. That's helpful. Like you're not yeah, excessive about weight. 128 pounds. I never really, never really gained any weight. What so, are you, how um, tall? Um, well, I actually grew late, but now I'm at, a, I'm at about five, nine, five, nine and a half. Wow. So you're skinny. Yeah, dude. Not a lot of weight. That's good. I'm trying so to keep gotta, the weight off. Like, I, I was uh, cleaning out a, a milkshake cup in the middle of the night, and it was a mug, and I tried to grab it in the dark, and I misjudged it, and I shoved my hand into some broken glass and cut the tendon off on my pinky, so I had to go in for surgery, um, which I don't like needles, and I don't like doctors, um, but I had no choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is about eight months ago, so I'm able to move it, and I'm getting back into skating again now, and... Sick. So, you know, just keep and, it rolling, dude. And you're doing hill skateboards still or Yeah, I have a I do hill skateboards. It's just a little little company that I run myself and I sell direct to the people and uh no distributors, no skate shops, no out of your house? Yeah, right out of my house. Sick, I'm a one man band. And it's 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 cool for me because I get to talk to people, you know, and I get it straight from them and back and forth and you know, it it means a lot to me. I'm happy about it. I got one right here. You know, this is the uh, oh, this sick. is on uh, this is done on a bulldog OG shape, uh-huh. and um, it's kind of a takeoff of my my first uh, gun slinger deck, and yep. except for it's me, me with a gun. And Was the original little, one Clint? The original one, yeah, possibly a likeness. 
Like it's called the gun, 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 the gunslinger is what they call it. Right. You know, so I have little things that I, that I sell. And, uh, like I say, it kind of keeps me connected in a way. And sick, dude. Is it a website, frankiehill.com or anything? Or Well, it's uh, it's under hillskateboards.com, but you know you can reach me on Instagram, frankiehill1 or, or yeah. Facebook. And I usually just do it over private message and just take their address and send them the stuff. And It makes it know. easy now, like with PayPal and Venmo and all these things. Correct. It's like I've been doing the same thing, like selling shirts and different things. It's just like super fun. Like, like you said, connecting with people and hearing the stoke, like directly, it's pretty rad. Like for me, I just get hyped. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely helps me. You know, a couple of things. You know, the social media thing. Right when I first started, a lot of YouTubing was going on. You know, a lot of misinformation. A lot of of guys with negative things to say. You know about me. It really kind of you know bugged me a little bit. That was during the time that I couldn't really skate. Couldn't right. have a forum to actually fight back okay a couple of pros out there really looked out after me i'm not going to name them but they know who they are and i very much appreciate i'll never forget the ones that were there when things were a little bit south uh-huh. and uh and then as facebook tried to evolve you know the haters started to fall away because everybody actually had a name and a face they had to actually back up what they were saying yep and, and then of course around the same time nate sherwood um, did a documentary on me. Oh, right. And, yeah. And I, I, you know, said, Oh yeah, go ahead and do it. You know, but I had no idea that he was going to bring in so many pros and all this stuff. And I mean, he completely just turned the tide. Sick. You know, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, kind of, I guess, haters out there talking about the pal magic and, oh. you know, he, he didn't do anything, you know, he used an Ollie ramp for, you know, everything. And, you know what I mean? There was a lot of negativity, and yeah, so it was really good to kind of uh, to kind of get the other side going on that. And then, of course, you know, now we're talking about years and years later, where now all of that stuff doesn't exist at all. Okay, I mean, they don't even—it's just dust under the rug. You know, and now it's just all about like you know they're looking back and they're saying, "Wow, you know, hey, this is pretty cool." You know what I mean? Now it's just all positive all the negativity they were really doing quite well when they didn't have a name and uh you know exactly. now i mean now i have like a lot of people if someone says something you know a lot of people will just jump in and and you know dispel it i don't even uh, have to address it right so you know i got a lot of guys out there that have you know had my back you know like a like a jared mckinney like an Eric Riggs, Matt Martone, you know, these are guys that, you know, I met on Facebook and, uh, they're, they they went to bat for me. Sick. And, you know, I mean, now it does, there's no negativity at all. I mean, it's just, it's just like the water is just calm and clear, okay. but you know, they were, they were the, there were some warriors out there that definitely, they went to bat for me. I won't forget. Good, man. That's I like hearing that because, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen what you're talking about. I'm a huge advocate for putting a name with a comment. I hate the, like, Blink-185 dude that no one knows who he is that can say whatever he wants, and it actually affects people that are doing this for a living's 
livelihood. Um, Correct. How how does that work? I never understood it. Like, if it's George Powell, it's George Powell. If it's, you know, me, it's me. We know who we are. We're accountable. But if it's some dude that's just like Johnny Thunder in Nebraska eating a milkshake in his fucking mom's basement, jerking off to like, I created some... I just... I yeah. want to, me and Jake used to talk about, I forget the name of it. I'm, I'm slipping here. I'm getting excited now because this, this stuff really irks me. But I, we'd go to the dude's house. We'd find out where they are. Knock yeah. on the door. They're like, hello? Boom. Done. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's the golden, that's the golden ticket, dude, that we all, that we all want. Trust yeah. me. Oh, man. So, yeah. And I think what I've learned, I, I, I'm still on the bubble on this, but what I'll say is that don't pay them any attention. Just they don't they don't they don't exist. Um, I don't know if it's a hundred percent what's working, but like I think that's the best way to do it because you know at the end of the day who you are, the people that are important to you know who you are, and you just keep trudging through. And and everybody's not going to like you. you'll never have absolutely so it's fine it's like okay but at the end of the day i look myself in the mirror and i say i'm doing the best i can and that's it that's right so yeah along those lines i'm i'm wondering if do you have any do you meditate is there any strategies you have when things are craps piling up on you things are getting like this year has been really tough for all of us is there any uh exercise or something those are some of the things i do is like i gotta just sweat like if i sweat i'm feeling better um yeah is there anything you do to help you like not just fall down the rabbit hole of depression or negativity well what i try to do is i try to obviously go skate when i can um i'm kind of the same way even if i'm just sitting in my car you know, I'm sometimes I don't put on the air conditioning and I'll just sweat as I'm driving. Oh, wow. I mean, just sweating at all is actually, you know, beneficial, I believe. Totally. And um, I also, when I'm feeling overwhelmed with a bunch of different stuff, I always try to, uh, you know, obviously focus on one thing at a time and get it done you know, quickly and efficiently and and correctly as I can so I can move on to the next thing. It's a day-to-day battle. I do a little bit of stretching, you know, before I skate. You know, a lot of, uh, I try to walk around the neighborhood and stuff, a lot of light exercise before I actually use the body to actually go do something. Mm. So it doesn't just, you know, it's just all not all pudding. Right. And um, of course, I don't do any, I try not to do any heavy lifting and stuff because i mean it's just a big waste of time you know on on your body you know what i mean if if anything i would like to do more exercises with my legs but um that's that's kind of my focus if you're going to go out and get all bulked up or whatever i mean you're you're definitely missing the point yeah that's just my opinion is the knee feeling pretty good the knee the knee feels pretty good dude i think if i can just do enough skating to keep it to keep it going like falling over fire hydrants off street transitions falling over garbage cans off of banks um low impact i would call it um maybe skating straight gaps on flat ground you know of course you're you're getting get into some road rash on that trick yeah but but that's okay um just light impact stuff 
Have so, you board slid a handrail at all? Is handrails in the cards or not? Um, well, I just rail slid a little rail like last week. Um, and I rail slid another small rail actually yesterday on my way out of Walgreens. I saw this bike rack and I was just like, I'm like, oh man, this thing's kind of low off this little curb. And um, so I got a little rail slide on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back into it right now, just over the last few weeks, you know, because I can finally, when you messed up your pinky, the tendons all connect in the palm. So I couldn't open my whole hand. Okay. And I mean, falling is my best trick. So I got to be able to put my <laughs> hand out. If I can't put my hand out, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. So as soon as I can figure, as soon as I can open up my hand, now I'm going to put my hand down. So I figured it out over the last few days. I can get my hand on the ground. So I'm going to start skating more now. And, uh, you know, just it's a battle, dude. You just battle back. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Fucking stoked, though. It's good to hear. It seems like things are positive And yeah, man, um, I, I got to ask you living in Santa Barbara your whole life. Did you ever see Michael Jackson? Um, no, I never, I never saw Michael. I heard that he was in Santa Barbara a few times. Like the Neverland Ranch is right in that area, right? Yeah, it's up there in the hills. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I never, I never got up there and checked it out. Definitely Great. an innovator. There's no doubt about that. Very <laughs> talented, big time innovator. Yeah. Is there, uh, any modern dudes that have stoked you that you've seen like since, uh, your knee injury, like watching some of these dudes' parts when you were catching up, like, holy shit, anybody stick out as a favorite? Well, right when I was going down, you know, Jamie Thomas was coming up. Okay. And, um, of course, Cardiel and uh, Chris Cole. I mean, I had my friends just hammering away on me with these guys. Like, dude, these guys are just amazing. And I'm like, dude, I mean, I want to watch, but, it, you know, my oh. my heart's like breaking over here. Yeah. And you got to know they're the best in the planet. So it's, you know, it's not like they're just good. You know what yeah. I mean? They're just like amazing. You know what I mean? I always try to, you know, stay up on all the Instagram footage, all the latest hammers that are being thrown, mm. you know, all the best skating. I'm just like a connoisseur of, of, of tricks. If you really want to break it down, you know what right. I mean? And I, I enjoy watching the guys and what they've been able to accomplish, you know, and they just keep doing more and more and more. And I just, I'm enjoying the ride just as you know, much as anybody else. When Pat Duffy in that Nate Sherwood documentary, he's talking super highly of you and how, uh, you know, he drove down to that dirt gap. He had to look at it, and then Jesus Christ, like how it was a beast and just the whole experience. And long story long is what I'm trying to say is you inspired so many people, and all those people you mentioned, I bet, would say, you know, you ask Cardiel about Frankie Hill, he's going to be like, dude, he was fucking awesome. You know, whatever. And I, I'm sure Jamie would say the same thing. Well, anything I was able to inspire is, is is a big, big deal for me. You know what I mean? I That's just it. I'm a little speechless because I always, it's always, that's that's where it's at. You know what yeah. I mean? The Tommy Guerreros and, and the Mark and Nottis and all those guys, they, you know, I mean, for them, they have always inspired me. And for me to inspire other people is where, is what it's about, you yeah. know, and and I just, 
I'm just happy that I, I was in there. You know, I'm oh, just happy dude, to be part of that. You more than in there, yeah. I mean, Crooked doesn't give a guest board to everybody, you know? Like, things like that are, like, paying homage to what, you know, what you meant to skateboarding. Like, Mark asking you to ride for blind. Like, those things are, like, they're not just an everyday occurrence. It's like a fucking, you know, a huge token. And, uh, you know, you should always take that with you for sure no matter what your day is looking like you should be able to be like i'm still frankie hill though baby <laughs> you know what i mean that's right you gotta bring a little you, bit of swag a little swag to, yeah <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to mention or anything we're pr- I'm, I'm pretty good i know i've taken you way past how long i usually do these but i mean if i'm being completely honest with you i think there's the best one I've ever done. I really enjoyed uh, hearing your stories and catching up with you. I don't think we ever had a chance to meet in person, so this has been really cool for me. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, I've been looking at the program. I really like it, and I'm I'm, I'm stoked to be part of it. Oh, All thanks, right? just, dude. I'm just thankful. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Mark Kwalczyk. Shout-out. He's an artist out of Canada who has really helped me out with – you know he'll skateboards and he's been there for me and he's a great he's a great friend and um i want to get a shout out to skate hoarding shout out you know i mean the guy he's got the you know best hover mount you know hangers on the planet you know they're the best i'm thankful dude i'm thankful to be here and i just i just want to continuing to to do what i can do you know and stick around as long as i can and and just enjoy the ride. Fuck yeah. Are you still in Goleta? Where are you at? I'm out here in Ventura now. Oh, Ventura. Um, things have gone, you know, quite well in and out of a couple of properties. And uh, things are things are getting better all the time. Overhead's dropping. And I, I hope to be able to, uh, with this latest thing that I've been able to pull off, you know, put myself in a position where I can skate more. I mean, I've been plotting and planning for many years to lower the overhead and bring in a certain amount so I can get away from the nine to five and get me to where I need to go so I can get back to doing what I want to do, you know, which is, which is skating and enjoying life. And, you know, I mean, just not to do the nine to five thing. I mean, yeah, but to enjoy it a little bit. Sure. Yeah, you got to have your personal touch on things. It can't be the robotic lifestyle is not for us. That's for sure. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, you got a special song we can play to write out of here or two? God, there's been so many. I always I always think to myself when a song comes on the radio, I'm like, man, this would be killer. Why not Eye of the Tiger? Survivor. Absolutely. Sick, dude. That's fucking Rocky theme. That's real, dude. Well, I appreciate it, man. Like, uh, my mind's kind of been blown. Like, waking up early, having the coffee, and watching a bunch of stuff. I was like, how am I going to uh, include all that I want to talk to him about? Bef- you know, I, I don't like taking too much of your time, but I really appreciate uh, You know, we probably did like two hours today or something. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, fuck. Have a great day, and uh, don't let this world bring you down man i it's been tough for all of us and i go to therapy and what my therapist says she always says this i i think it helps you're not alone 
you're having a bad day, we all are. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, 
Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at TalkingSchmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.